You're listening to the Bible teachings of Reality Church Stockton. For more info, please visit our website at realitystockton.com. Our text today is taken from Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendations. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the birds had ceased singing and there was a perfect silence except one small persistent sound which seemed to come from a very good distance away. She listened carefully and felt almost sure that it was the sound of running water. Jill got up and looked around her very carefully. There was no sign of the lion. But there were so many trees that it might easily be quite close and her not see it. Her thirst was very bad now. She plucked up the courage to go and look for the running water. The woods were so still that it was not difficult to decide where the sound of the water was coming from. It grew clearer every moment and sooner than she had expected, she came to an open glade and saw the stream bright as glass running across the turf of stone, a stone's throw away from her. But although the sight of the water made her feel ten times thirstier than before, she didn't rush forward to drink. She stood still, as if she had been turned to stone, with her mouth wide open. And she had very good reason. Just on this side of the stream was the lion. How long this lasted, she could not be sure. It seemed like hours. But the thirst became so bad that she almost felt that she would not mind being eaten by the lion if she could only be sure of getting a mouthful of water first. This is C.S. Lewis's Narnia series, by the way. If you're thirsty, you may drink. For a second, she stared here and there, wondering who had spoken. Then the voice said again, if you're thirsty, come and drink. It was deeper, wilder, stronger, sort of heavy, golden voice. Are you thirsty, said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Then drink, 
said the lion. May I? Could I? Would you mind going away for a while while I do? The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her quite frantic. Do you eat girls, she asked fearfully. I've swallowed up girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say it as if it were boasting or as if it were sorry or as if it were angry. It just said it. I dare not come and drink, said Jill. Then you'll die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. Well, I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. This is the claim at the heart of Christianity, one single source of life. Salvation is found in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. And as Christians, we don't say this very exclusive claim arrogantly or boastfully, but with assurance and conviction. There is no other stream. But with this exclusive claim comes a very inclusive invitation. If you are thirsty, you too may drink. And what I love about this portion of Narnia, the Narnia series, is the way that faith is being illustrated here. It's not simply knowing of the lion that he exists. By the way, the lion represents Jesus. It's not simply acknowledging his existence. Yes, this is part of it. But look at me in verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is described as daring to draw near. Daring. Martin Luther once described faith like this. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. We are in our Sola series looking at historic Protestant declarations of truth, that summarize Christian teaching and frame a life of faith and faithfulness. And today, as mentioned earlier, we are looking at the sola, uh, sola fide, uh, faith alone. Meaning that faith is the only way to lay hold of Christ and all of his benefits. We are justified before God on the basis of faith in Christ. And as we're going to see even next week, that faith itself is a gift from God according to his grace. Hebrews 11 which we're gonna have to just sort of gloss over today, maybe in the fall, maybe next spring, we'll come back and visit it more uh, in depth. But Hebrews 11 is essentially a biblical theology on the theme of faith, showing us from the very beginning that faith is the only way that men and women relate to God. Faith is the only way that men and women are considered righteous before God. Abraham believed and it was accredited to him as righteousness. The New Testament authors love this mention in the book of Genesis. Not according to being good, not according to doing good, but by faith. Look at your Bibles. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. I dare you to count how many times he mentions by faith. All of these men and women, this cloud of witnesses, we're told, were approved before God on the basis of faith. But then, 
He turns from these prior generations listed in this hall of faith and then begins to do this wild thing. He addresses us and he welcomes us to join that same lineage of faith. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, let us also. Let us also. So as we look at the theme of faith, what we see here is faith is described in three ways if you're taking notes. It's described as relying, receiving, and running. Let's look first at relying. Look at me again in chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. These words, assurance and conviction, are very important because the writer of Hebrews just defined a very otherwise vague term. This is what faith is. Faith is assurance. Some of your translations read reality or substance. Faith is the reality or the substance of things hoped for. This is not just thinking right thoughts about God. This is not abstract. This is not theoretical. Faith is objective. It is concrete. It has to do with the weight of something. So faith is like taking the full weight of our lives and the full weight of our futures and placing it on something outside of ourselves. Yesterday I had to think about faith as I opened up one of these rickety old camping chairs at a baseball game and I just like plopped down into it, not even thinking, and I realized I had a lot of confidence in something I just like popped out in a second. I just put my full weight on it. What, is I, what was I doing? I was exercising faith. And this is really good news because what this means is that faith is not measured by the amount of our faith or even the tenacity of our faith. Faith is as strong as the object of our faith. Faith in and of itself does not save, but it is because of who our faith rests in, namely Jesus Christ. We read in the Gospels, Jesus once in a while will rebuke his disciples and say, oh, ye of little faith. Now, that's a discouraging rebuke, but it is not a disqualifying one. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather be, oh, ye of little faith in Jesus Christ than to be a person of massive amounts of faith in the wrong thing. I think you picked that one up in the car ride home. I'd rather... Be, O oh, ye of little faith in Christ, than a massive amount of faith in something that will not save. Because Jesus alone is able to rescue me from sin and death and eternity and hell. Amen. Secondly, we see conviction. Conviction means to prove. It's a sort of judicial term here where something has been tested, it's been tried, it's been thoroughly vetted, and it's been found true. Together, these words describe reliance. Faith is determining that God is real and that God is reliable and that his promises for the future can be fully trusted even when we cannot see the evidence of it, even when what we can see is telling us not to believe it. This is what Hebrews 11 highlights. This is a story of men and women who had nothing but the promises of God to rely on. And yet in faith, they staked their whole lives, all of their families, all of their futures on these promises. And they redirected everything around what was not yet seen. How are we doing? 
no, like how are we doing in faith <laughs> compared? But I appreciate that. You're, you're engaged. I should have saw that one coming, huh? How are we doing when it comes to faith? Now, I, I think some of us are reading this and hearing this and thinking like, this is intimidating. This is terrifying. Maybe it just seems totally outside your wheelhouse. I'm not a person of faith like that. I don't have that kind of conviction. I struggle too much for that. I, I, don't, I don't have that kind of faith. Let me, let me challenge you and respectfully disagree with you. 17th century, a philosopher named Blaise Pascal came up with this idea called the wager. Now, some people are not a big fan of this philosophy, but I, I find it quite interesting. The wager essentially said that faith is like betting, gambling. And the wager essentially says that every single person, whether they are reluctantly or enthusiastically, whether they are consciously or you know, subconsciously, everyone is betting their lives on something. That God is either who he is or he's not. He's real or he's not. And he said this, you have to wager. It's not up to you. You're already committed. You, you don't get to like opt into the game. You're in. The chips are in your hand. The cards are in your hand. You're already in. The choice isn't whether or not to wager. The choice is, what are we going to stake it all on? And so in terms of faith, you are right now, whether you're committed to Christ or you're here to honor your mother, you are, whether you know it or not, staking your life on Jesus or you are staking your life on something else. You will either trust that he is real, you will trust that he is capable of delivering you and giving your life meaning, or you will bet that all on something else. What do we bet on? Sometimes we bet on ourselves. It's called self-reliance. I'm all I need. I don't need anyone. It's me against the world. Some of us are betting on other people. We call that codependent relationships. Where it's a spouse, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a parent, or a child, a friend, or even a therapist. I am depending on this person. Maybe it's your finances, maybe it's your career, maybe it's your good looks, maybe it's your wit, fill in the blank. We are all staking it on something. This conversation is not about whether or not you have faith. You already have faith. You have more faith than you know what to do with. The question is, where have you placed it? What are you relying on? You still with me? How we doing? <laughs> Secondly, we see re receiving. Verses two through three. For by it, what? Faith. For by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So faith is described as receiving. Receiving commendation or receiving approval from the God who makes everything out of nothing. That is the testimony of creation. God makes everything out of nothing, but that is also the testimony of our salvation. God makes this out of nothing. Why am I saved? Why do I have confidence to be able to say I am in Christ, that I am a Christian? 
It boils down to this, that God has made something out of nothing. I'm saved because God has made something out of nothing. You're saved because God has made something out of nothing. Jesus would say in John chapter 15, apart from me, you can do So what would qualify you today to become a person of faith? What would qualify you to today become a believer and a Christian? The answer is nothing. And I don't mean that generally. I don't mean that vaguely. I don't mean that to be controversial. I mean that specifically. If you bring anything but nothing, it's no longer saving faith. Let me explain. For faith to be faith... We have to be humble enough to recognize that we bring absolutely nothing to the table but desperate need. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling, we will sing later. I bring nothing. Philosopher named Peter Kreft put it this way, if we come to God with empty hands, he will fill them. But if we come with full hands, he finds no place to put himself. It's our beggary, our receptivity that is our hope what are you bringing in your hands today this means that to receive all that God is all that Jesus is and that he's done for us I believe this means that we've got to let some things go today it means to come to God with the open hands of faith and to receive means that we've got to let go of our pride And we definitely need to let go of our entitlement. And we need to let go of our self-righteousness. And we need to let go of our obsession with secondary identities. And we need to let go of trying to prove ourselves to God and prove ourselves to others and even in the 21st century prove ourselves to ourselves. We've got to open our hands, release that like white knuckle grip and simply receive. What do you need to release today in order to receive all that Jesus is by faith? You know what happens when we come to God in faith to receive? What it does is it frees us from looking to other people to satisfy our deepest needs. I had it in my notes to say if, but I changed it this morning to say when, when I'm becoming demanding, this is not theoretical, I'm quite a demanding person, when I'm being demanding, when I'm being entitled, when I'm being hard to please, my wife won't look at me here. Staff won't look at me here. Pretty much everyone's looking down right now. If I'm being entitled, if I'm being hard to please, if I'm being demanding, it means that some point, at some point, there's been a breakdown in my faith in the gospel. I am not approaching God the way that I ought to. I'm not approaching God in faith. I'm approaching God with a works-based mentality, thinking that I need to earn my place in his family through my productivity, through my perfection, through my performance. I am not quite convinced that God loves me and he approves of me and he's quite simply pleased with me, not according to me, but according to Jesus Christ. There's a breakdown there. And what happens is that This translates into the way that I relate to others. I will relate to others the same way that I believe that God relates to me. If God is demanding, guess what? I'm going to become demanding. 
And if God is a perfectionist, guess what? I'm going to become a perfectionist. And if God is always disappointed in me, then I'm always going to be disappointed in others. So there are two ways to seek approval with God. There are two ways of making sure that your life matters and at the end, it's all gonna add up. One depends on offering and the other depends on receiving. At the end of our lives, when we stand before God and we all will stand before God and we give an account for our lives, we can either offer what we have done Here's what I've done. Here's all the good things I've done. I thought I was a good person. Well, I was generally a good person as if we're kind of tipping the scales, which will never add up. Or we can appeal to the work that Jesus has done for us. Those are our two options. To stand on our own two feet or to be found hidden in Jesus Christ. Faith says my only claim is Jesus. Faith says my only claim is his perfect life his holiness, his meaningful actions, his love, his sacrifice, his death, his power over death, his resurrection, his conquering sin, Satan, death. Don't judge me according to me. Judge me according to him. Now notice, once we receive our everything in Jesus, then and only then are we able to offer our best to God and to others. This does not mean a life of never offering anything. The order is important here. If we mix up the order, everything gets out of whack. We receive, and then out of the fullness of life that we have in Jesus Christ, we offer that back to God and to the world. We mix it up, things go haywire. Look with me in verse four. By faith, Abel offered God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. That's the million dollar question. If you read Genesis 4, it's like, why did God ex- receive Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's? And some people are like, well, it's because it was fruit and not an animal and all these different things. Hebrews gives us the answer. It's because Abel offered by faith. It was the only reason God accepted him and his offering. It's because it was by faith. And it's the only way he'll accept yours as well. Through which he was commended, through his offering or through his faith, which was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So there are a lot of action words associated with faith. Just gloss over this chapter here in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, people offered. By faith, people walked. By faith, people constructed. By faith, people conceived. Happy Mother's Day. By faith, people kept. By faith, people gave. Look with me down here in verses 33 through 34. Who through faith conquer kingdoms, enforce justice, obtain promises, stop the mouths of lions, quench the power of the fire, escape the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Through faith. So this is not a static life. This is a dynamic, active life. This is a life that is powerful. This is a life that is on the move, but it is only a vitality that comes through faith. Faith is what opens us up 
to the animating power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is how we walk according to the Spirit. Faith is how we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Faith is how we keep going. Which leads us to our final point. Faith is described here as running. Chapter 12, verse one. You guys still with me? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us what? Run with endurance the race that is set before us. The life of faith, we're told, is a race. It is not a sprint. It is a marathon. And in this race, we must look away from distractions and onto Christ. I want you to imagine this scene with me because I believe the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us to envision a pretty amazing visual scene here. A great cloud of witnesses who have already crossed the finish line. Who's the great cloud of witnesses? The people that mentioned in chapter 11 and those not mentioned. Those who have crossed the finish line already. But now they've stuck around for the rest of the race. They're not in the locker room. They come to the stands and now those very people of faith are cheering us on and their resounding cheer is keep going, keep going. Faith is worth it. As we set aside every weight and sin we're told, This means that we repent of sin. We repent of the things that God forbids in his word. But also, we're told here, we remove the weights. This is where wisdom and Christian maturity is so important. Because Christianity is not just a life of avoiding bad things. This means that we let go of things that aren't necessarily wrong, let go of things that aren't necessarily sinful, but we determine are a hindrance to running the race well. I'm gonna mix some metaphors here, but we've got some competitive swimmers in our family, and every single season, season, the razors come out and every square inch of hair is removed. Now, I was a little suspicious of this. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. So I looked it up. Turns out, this is a real thing. In higher levels of competition, it makes a significant difference. And here's the point. To those who are serious about the race that they're in, and that's what you gotta determine for yourself today. For those who are serious about the race that they're a part of, they'll remove anything and everything that's gonna hold them back no matter how insignificant the item may be. What are those weights or those sins today that you need to lay aside so that you can run your race of faith with endurance and so that you can make it to the finish line? What is tripping you up today? What is weighing you down? What do you need to let go of because of the prize set before you? Now remember, we're inspired by the testimony of this great cloud of witnesses that now surrounds us, cheering us on. We're being freed up to run with endurance as we let go of our sins and the weights that ensnare us. But here's where the power to run and to persevere comes from. Look at me in verse two. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated Uh, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is described as our founder, or quite literally, our pioneer 
and the perfecter of our faith, which means as our pioneer, he has blazed the trail before us, and as our perfecter, he has already crossed the finish line securing the first place title. He's gone before us, and he's won to secure a victory for us. Jesus has already reached the destination. He's already passed through death. He's come out the other side in resurrection life. He ascended in victory, exalted as the name above every name. And now he's seated at the right hand of God, which means he's seated at the victor's podium. The wreaths on his head. And he is ensuring that all who are in faith in him are going to make it there as well. He's the pioneer and he's the perfecter. The end is sure, the prize is secured. All we must now do by faith is keep going. Keep going, keep going. 1952, a young woman named Florence Chadwick uh, determined that she was gonna swim across the ocean expanse between Catalina Island and California coast. Excellent swimmer. She was the first woman to swim the English Channel. She could do this. She gets into the water. The weather changes significantly. The water gets really cold and choppy, and a really, really thick fog sets in. She swam for 15 hours. And yet at a certain point, she was so discouraged by not being able to see where she was going, so drained of energy, so just like tired, she called out to the boat next to her, asking for them to bring her in. Her mother was in the boat. And she said, if you could only know how close you are, keep going, keep going. But she reached her point where she just could not do it anymore. She gave up. They pulled her in the boat. What they found out as the fog began to clear, she was less than a quarter or less than a half a mile from the California coast. She was within inches. And what she said afterwards was this, all I could see was the fog. And I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. If I could have just seen the shore, if I could have just seen the end in sight, I would have kept going. Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This is what the writer of Hebrews is trying to get us today to recognize, that if you only knew how close you were, if you only knew, When you can't see anything, when all you can see is the fog, when you're discouraged, he says, listen to the great cloud of witnesses. And when you're struggling to see the finish line in sight, you're struggling to see the light at the end of the tunnel, when you're struggling to see how this thing is gonna end, he says, here's what you gotta do. Look in faith to your faithful savior, Jesus Christ, your pioneer and perfecter of your faith who has already crossed over and is now making sure you will make it too. Eyes on Christ, in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we-